Hey everybody, good evening and welcome back to the Adventure Geeks Podcast, History Edition. Hope everyone's doing well. This is Ian. And this is Austin. And we hope you guys are having a good uh, Memorial Day weekend and enjoying the uh, fine weather outside. Yeah, Connecticut right now, it's a balmy 49 degrees and rain all day. Rained all day, yeah. Hopefully you guys have some sunshine, get some hot dogs and hamburgers out there. But, we digress. So, we... Took a little personal trip last week, just some vacation time. Fully vaccinated now, so we can kind of skirt the travel ban. Uh, yes, we played by the rules, got our shots, took our licks, and uh, yeah, just did our bit for the uh, the great COVID-19 pandemic. And hopefully we put this year behind us. It's been a rough one. It has. So we wanted to uh, kind of just talk a little bit about our, our field, our, uh, not field trip, but like a vacation, because it kind of ties into Memorial Day a little bit. And also, it kind of ties into uh, history. Well, it actually does tie into history. So uh, we went down to uh, a couple of Civil War battlefields in Pennsylvania and Maryland for about a week. So we can talk a little bit about that because uh, obviously we can you know about the Civil War and how Memorial Day evolved out of the Civil War. I sure. I went to grad school for some of those courses. All right. So and this might strike a chord with most most American audiences. Maybe if anyone's listening over outside in the I saw America, maybe find it interesting too. But uh, anyway, let's begin. So, uh, two weeks ago, we went down to uh, Gettysburg, Pennsylvania first. Austin, what is the big significance of Gettysburg, PA? Where is it, and why is it important in American history? So, Gettysburg, Pennsylvania is a small, well, not really small now, but back in the 1860s, it was a small uh, rural farming community. Uh, not a very big town. Its main significance is that you've got a lot of these uh, inter- roads are intersecting in the town, so like uh, the Baltimore to Emmitsburg. Washington. To Washington, all conversion in this little town, Pennsylvania. And in the summer of 1863, as the Civil War is reaching its height, you've got the second invasion of the North by the Confederate Army of Northern Virginia under the command of General Robert E. Lee. And he'll go in Maryland, uh, okay, going to Pennsylvania, this is after he delivers his smashing victory at the Battle of Chancellorsville, so emblazoned in the lovely prose of Gods and Generals, if you stayed awake to that point. Oh, God, Gods and Generals. Let, let's, not, let's not bore the but, people to tears already, dude. Anyway, as the Confederate Army goes in, the, in the Pennsylvania, you've got the Union Army of the Potomac under General George Meade, who was also Pennsylvania by birth. He recently got promoted to Army... Army Command, like the day, several days before the battle. And basically, it's the Army of the Potomac trying to stop the invasion of the North by the Army of Northern Virginia. And the two sides eventually clash at Gettysburg. It's from July 1st to July 3rd of 1863, but a three day battle. And at the end, there's about 53,000 or so casualties from all sides, but at the end of the battle, uh, Robert E. Lee suffers his worst defeat. And the Army of Northern Virginia is dealt a heavy blow from which they can never recover. Now, the war doesn't end until 1865, but this is the point where things start to swing more for the North's favor as the Confederates fall back from Pennsylvania into Virginia. The war continues, but they, let's say, hit their high water mark. After this, they can't really stay in the field for much longer. Most modern historians do consider Gettysburg one of the turning points of the civil, the major turning point of the Civil War, and from I recollect, it is the bloodiest battle either in American history, the bloodiest battle on American soil. I want to say American history. Uh, I don't know. Battle of the Bulge kind of ranks pretty high up in World War II, though. I think the Battle of the Bulge has Gettysburg beat, but not by much. Yeah, we're we're going off tangent. So I think most people know. At least the word Gettysburg and sort of the significance. But why don't we talk about what we saw down there? There was a, it was a, again a three day battle. There were a lot of sights to see, and we we kind of stopped at most of them and kind of hit the significant. We saw most points. of them. Yeah. It's not the first time I've been down. This is like what our fifth, sixth time. At least fifth time for me, yeah. Uh, well, at least once I was living in Baltimore, but. Um, when we went down there, we spent about a day walking the battlefield. Now, I walked some parts, other parts... We didn't walk all of it. We had to, like, take our car, go take my car, go a couple of spots, just walk around. We didn't walk the entire battlefield. Just, you can't... There's a lot to do in one day. I think the first big stop we did was uh, Cemetery Ridge. 
which is along the center of the main un battle line of the un Union Army. Yeah, it's roughly where the visitor center is today, just kind of behind it. In front of the Chambers Emmitsburg Road? Yes, so we had a hotel in the town, and we walked from there to the visitor center. And it covered a good chunk of the uh, center of the Union line. If anybody's ever been to Gettysburg, you'll just see monument after monument. <laughs> yes, lots of monuments for all the uh, federal Union regiments or you know, New York, Pennsylvania, Connecticut, Rhode Island, Vermont. Yeah, the Vermont Brigade. We should talk about the Vermont Brigade a little bit. Uh, just We had a lot of like New Englanders, Vermont Brigade, which helped at the uh, third day. If everybody's seen the movie Gettysburg, that final battle of the Pickett's Charge happens on the third day, and the um, Vermonters play their part in knocking back the uh, final attack. That was a hot day, too, so kind of gets that feeling of what it was like to back in 1863 middle of july wearing those uh wool uniforms yeah but i was in khakis and you were in jeans for some reason i like jeans yeah i think you're an idiot i'm an optimist well with that out of the way um we walked a lot of the first day's action we drove up to a little round tub i'm sure if anybody's seen gaysburg they've seen that famous scene with the uh, joshua lawrence channel played by jeff daniels we walked that and we walked a good chunk of the second day's fighting. I won't get into too much detail, just... There's a lot of places that saw a lot of killing done within just like a, a few days. And as you do walk these grounds, you do have to remember that... Um, it's hollow ground. It is hollow ground. People did die there about 150 years ago. Now, it doesn't mean it can't be like a morose, um, you know, penny dreadful. Not the entire thing. But it's just like the little things, like... Uh, Pick up your trash or not destroying these old monuments or rocks or carve your name into something because you want to leave a you want to show everyone who you, who you who you're mob. Don't take stupid selfies in front of a monument. That's my pet peeve. Or in front of a gravestone. Yep. That's even worse. It's like those it's like those tourists out in Europe and Germany that took those uh, selfies in front of the hawk. Uh, it was either Auschwitz or the Holocaust uh, Memorial. It was Auschwitz. It was Auschwitz. Yeah, so I won't go into too much of my personal pet peeves, folks, but um, if you do visit Civil War Battle site, just use common sense. If you see a headstone and you think it's a great idea to take a uh, selfie or a very obscene gesture for the photo, just, just, just don't do it. It looks bad on you and you it'll go viral. But, um... You know, Digress. ranting aside, as we walked these sites, we spent the first day at Gaysburg, and we saw a lot, and we'll, we'll do more on Gaysburg when we leave, but the first day we cover most of the uh, first, second, and third day's um, action, it just like, 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 a lot of these spots we went back and forth. Got the Culp's Hill finally, up in the northern part of the battlefield. Yeah, yes, that's a place we never haven't gone to before, and... Um, it's very peaceful now, but you can imagine back in 1863, it's uh, just a, I say hell. That's probably the best way to describe the yeah. uh, fighting there. I mean, anybody who says war is glorious is, uh, has actually seen war. Perhaps we should do a podcast on Gettysburg in the near future, maybe for the anniversary. Yeah, that's podcast at the podcast, but we can do that. I'm sorry, I, li I like podcasting. It kind of de-stresses me a little bit. Ah, I see. So it's very peaceful now, but yeah, it's uh, I I love Gettysburg. I'm a little put off by the surrounding area, though. It's it's really developed, and I get that you know it's 2021 land develops gonna be, but it's kind of to me it was that was it. You find it hard to kind of like put yourself back in there in, in 1863. Were you able to do it? If you're off the beaten path, if you're like at the Devil's Den or at Little Round Top, Little Round Top, you can definitely go go back to that time. Just kind of like walk the ground. Might be a little hard when you're trying to do that in downtown Gaysburg, where it's um, settler shop after settler shop, place to eat after place to bar after the, bar. The, the Pickett's Charge Buffet. Yeah, unfortunately, it was not open. I was, I was gonna take my brother, but it was not open. This uh. The strip. That's okay, because if I did a, if I went to the Pickett's Charge Buffet, I'm making a Pickett's Charge as a bathroom leader. 
<laughs> that's just a little gross humor for you folks, just to liven the mood up. A little too much, a little too much uh, information. <laughs> but uh, that was about the first day, and the second day we went down to Antietam in uh, Maryland, about an hour, about an hour south by south uh, west of Gaysburg. Where is Antietam located, and what is Antietam? Antietam is a very is very remote. It's way out by Sharpsburg, Maryland, just a little bit south of Hagerstown, and. It is the site of the bloodiest single day of the Civil War, uh, September 17th of 1862. This is the first invasion of the North by Robert E. Lee. We kind of did it backwards. We did, but no, that's us. We're kind of idiots. Uh, we did a podcast last year about the Battle of Antietam and its significance. We can do a quick refresh refresher. So September 17th, 1862. The armies of the Confeder Confederate Army of Northern Virginia under Robert E. Lee, same Robert E. Lee that's going to be fighting in Gettysburg, is defending against the Army of the Potomac, not under George Meade at this point, but under another commander, George B. McClellan, who, Little Mac, Little Napoleon, uh, Tardy George, take your pick. Depending on what side of the uh, Mason-Dixon line you're on, you're, you got you got different opinions about him. Let's say his ego outweighs his abilities. Uh, I think he was... Smarter than uh, history has let him on, has let him on to be, but he definitely, he definitely had an ego. He definitely did, and this Wednesday, you'll that September seventeenth, you see the, these two armies clashing, and by the end of the day, twenty three thousand men are either killed, wounded, or missing. It is the bloodiest single day in American history, and this battlefield area for the National Park Service, I believe, is the best of the three we saw. Personally, just because there's not a lot of development going on, there's not a lot of modern influences. I mean, you got the visitor center, but you can. And I've always been amazed about Antietam is the fact that literally you could walk from one end of the battlefield to the other in like two, in like an hour, and everything's walkable. There's no because I think when people think of battlefields, they think of like these great like um, expanses of land. Like we're talking about, we're talking miles and miles. Of open open field and like it is open field, but you can literally see like the northern part of the battlefield, the cornfield, and you can see the new observation tower for the center of the line, which is the sunken road, and then a little further down the way is uh you can get to Burnside's Bridge. That's yeah. the uh, the third final phase of the battle. Well, plus the uh, final attack. So we we can start where we did. We did the uh, northern part of the battlefield first, where historically was where the first action occurred on September 17th. Yeah, it's a place called Miller's Cornfield. It's now remembered as the Bloody Cornfield just because of the high number of death that occurred there. And anybody who likes to hike or likes to do nature walks, most of these park battlefields, they actually have trails embedded into the battlefield that you can tour around. So it's not just driving through a car and taking a couple of photos. You can actually walk where... These uh, soldiers, these men, women walked and fought in years like generations before. So we we like to do that. We like to get out. We like to walk the bat. We like to walk the land ourselves, the hollow ground, and kind of get a feel for it. Just it's a little more special to us. You can actually get a sense of what they must have been going through back in 1862, 1863. Okay. It is a little surreal to read about all these events and then go to the actual place and just walk the ground. And we did that for the, the second day, and at the end of our trip to Antietam, we took a drive up to um, South Mountain. I met a good old friend of mine, Carl, who gave us a great tour of South Mountain, so thank you, Carl, if you ever listened to this. Why don't you tell, what's the South Mountain, why is it important, Why? where is South Mountain? So, in the theme of wor working backwards, South Mountain is, if you're going east from Sharpsburg or Antietam, east Let's say going like the Baltimore, and you gotta get across the uh, is it the Kentucky Mountains? The Kentucky Mountains, yep. Yeah, I can't and, spell it, but yeah, it's a, and South Mountain is one of is part of that range of mountains, and it's there's a couple of passes up there to get over the mountain and down to um, the other valley on the other side. They're like three mountain passes or gaps that I think I seventy is around the uh, northernmost pass. This is the north. You got Fox's Gap, Cranton's Gap, Turner's Gap. Turner's Gap. And before the Battle of Antietam takes place, there's another battle called South Mountain. And this has just as much significance as Antietam, because what happens to South Mountain is going to kind of like set up Antietam. Because as the Union Army marched out from Washington, the Confederate Army's in Maryland. 
when the Union Army arrives in like Frederick, Maryland, which is about on the other side of this mountain range, they're gonna like figure out what the Confederates are doing and they're gonna attack, force the Confederate guard off South Mountain, off towards uh, Sharpsburg. It's just, it's part of the story of Lee's invasion of Maryland. And it's without kind of an overlooked part, too, in my opinion. It is. Antium tends to get the lion's share of the attention of that campaign. But without South Mountain, you can't have Antietam. So there's a lot of bloody fighting there. And there's some good parts that are still preserved. And it's try to imagine uh, if you're a Union soldier, you're marching all day in the September heat. You've got to march up this mountain and fight battle at the end. All the while, there's Confederates at, the, at the top trying to kill you. And uh, Carl was very gracious to drive us around important parts of the South Mountain battlefield. So it kind of gets that uh, whole aspect of fighting uphill and cannons going off. And I, I, I get for some people it's kind of hard to put yourselves in people's shoes back 150 years ago out of the fact. But if you're there, it kind of takes a better significance. It does. I try to do some that my old history professor, Alexander Shurkanov, once said. Try to visualize it like a movie. A movie. Yeah. It, um, one of his history classes, which... Alexander, was, that, was, that, was that one that with you? I can't remember, but Alexander, if you are listening, I do want to say thank you for all your help that you did with me, my, uh, again, my degree. He's a good man. He still is. So, we saw South Mountain, and that's all on the second day. And the third day, we, we finally went back. We went down to Virginia this time. And again, like two in, hours away from Gettysburg. And the theme of working backwards, we went to another battlefield site, which is called Manassas. Two battlefields. Let's let's uh, stretch that. So we went to Manassas, Virginia. And the significance there is Manassas is the first location of the first major battle of the Civil War in uh, June 18, no, July 1861. Yes, July of 1861 is the first battle of Manassas, or if you're a northerner, the first battle of Bull Run. Which, actually, I was kind of surprised that... Well, actually, I'm not surprised, but I was interesting that the uh, battlefield site is named Manassas and not Bull Run. I believe it's out of the place, not the uh, creek. Ah, uh, okay. All right, but I digress. So, there's actually going to be two battles in the Manassas area. First battle of Manassas, or Bull Run, is in July 1861. It's the uh, first major battle of the Civil War, and it's the armies of the new... Was it even the Army of the Potomac at the time? I don't think it was called the Army of the Potomac back then, in 61. It's basically, you've got the, the Federals, the Union, had their army. The Confederates had their army. Everyone's green. Everyone made mistakes. This battle's like, it, it's a confusing one because you got like 200 different sets of uniforms for all sides. So, there's cases where nobody really knows, like, is that a, is that a good guy or a bad guy I'm shooting at? Is it my buddy? Is that some guy trying to kill me? And this is the time, this is the era where... You have massive armies and ranks. You have flags furling. And I think people always ask me about, well, Ian, what's the importance of the flag? Like, well, it, it, it kind of... What is the importance of flying the flags around? Like, well, they're kind of important because in the heat of battle, in the smoke of battle, when you can't tell who the enemy is, you look at the flag. If it's your flag, they're friendlies. If it's an enemy... Fr <laughs> if it's not your flag, it's the enemy. Yes, in the age of black powder, smoke is a pain. And that's one of the um, uses for the flag. But we had a very good time there. We actually uh, spent most of our time around the first battle of Bull Run or Manassas on uh, Henry House Hill, one of the locations of the battlefield where the visitor center is now. I actually got a nice tour from one of the park rangers there. Audrey was her name? She did a very good job. Yeah. So thank you, Audrey. Thank you very much. I got a very good uh, tour of first Manassas and told the course of the events, which I tried to think it was like a giant confusing slugging match. But at the end, the Confederates, they bring more men into the fray using railroads, one of the first times in um, American history, to decide the course of a, a battle. And you've got the Federals doing what's called the uh, Great Skedaddle, which a lot of the guys kind of ran ran for the hills. And you've got that famous picture of that mighty uh, Stonewall Thomas Jackson. So Thomas Jackson was a general of the Confederate Army during the Civil War. One of their most famous generals got the name Stonewall, Stonewall Jackson, from the first Battle of Manassas. Stonewall Jackson, that famous uh, part where he brings his brigade of Virginians up to the Henry House Hill, and another Confederate general, Bernard B, goes to him like, "Sir, the Yankees are beating us back. What do we do?" And we'll verbatim here, not word for word, but we must give them the bayonet. So, if anyone, Ray, 
I, I'm if you if you listen to this, I'm sure you know what scene I'm talking about, in guys and generals, where you got uh, Stephen Lang in his perfect uh, Virginian accent talking about what's giving them the bayonet, and then you got General Lee saying there's Jackson standing like a stone wall. And uh, history kind of has been up for debate about what he actually meant. Was he he's making it as a compliment that Jackson standing proudly like a stone wall, or was it uh, look there's Jackson and his buffoons up uh, saying that like a stone wall doing nothing? Yeah, we're never going to know the exact reason because uh, B got himself shot a few minutes later. Actually, I, I kind of felt bad for B because right where supposedly Jackson was standing, there's a monument to him, and it's got him and his horse. And it, I, I, I kid you not, and I took a photo of it, so on our Facebook group, if I finally get back into it, I can share you with it. It looks like Stonewall Jackson had done the 1861 version of CrossFit. Or he took all the compared <laughs> steroids. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so he looks jacked like... Um, Which is not what he looks like. He looks like the, the, the Rock with his arms in the Superman pose. And the actual Thomas Jackson never was that built up. It's like lanky, right? Kind of, he, he kind of looked like a weeb. Yeah, <laughs> kind of lanky. Just, How dare you sir, call Jackson a weeb? <laughs> Uh, they really didn't have, like, CrossFit or, like, physical workouts yeah. back in the uh, 1800s. So, if, the, Jackson, the, statue, the, the statue of Jackson isn't really what Jackson looked like. But it's what I think the sons of the Confederate veterans wanted when they turned over the land over to the precursors of the Park Service in the 1930s. Yeah, there's a hot topic that we're probably gonna skip for this uh, podcast. Yeah, we won't go. We won't go too controversial on this one. But so this Jackson with his uh, Superman statue, and then you got this dink. I won't say dinky, but it's like this tiny little memorial to General B. Where oh yeah, General B was shot here. The end. <laughs> yeah, in the grand scheme of things, Jackson gets the biggest share of the story, while B kind of gets is more of a footnote. Yeah, it's five minutes of fame for B. For B. So that's the first Battle of Bull Run. Manassas, I say Bull Run. You can say Manassas, it doesn't matter to us. So we did that, and then we also went down, actually it's in the same area. We took like a five-minute car drive to another part of Manassas area. Yeah, this is the battle site for the second second Manassas. This might be confusing for some of the viewers. Austin, why don't you tell us, why is there two battles of Mana second Manassas? Why is there first and second Manassas? Well, the biggest thing is the railroad is kind of around there, and back in the 1800s, if you wanted to supply an army, you either used boats or the railroad. And where does Second Manassas fall into the Civil War? I believe it was August of 1862. Uh, yes, summer of 1862. So, try to skip about 13 months after First Bull Run. Both sides, you know, after First Bull Run, both sides realize, huh, this won't be a short war. It's going to be a long one. We're in so, for the long haul. In for the long haul. And they raise more armies. There's a lot of maneuvering and a lot of like political stuff going on that I'm not going to talk about because I'll be here forever. Mm -hmm. But uh, in the summer of 1862, you've got George B. McClellan. That name should sound familiar. He takes his army down to the peninsula by the James River and is marching up towards uh, Richmond. He's kind of stuck there by, um, by the summer of 62. That's a whole other topic, and and we went we went, we went to visit the Gaines Mill battlefield, which is part of the Peninsula campaign. Uh, yes, my uh, brother, when I was in Baltimore, we visited uh, the old uh, part of the Seven Days, part of the um, Peninsula campaign, eighteen sixty two, when my brother had a freak out with McClellan. Uh, uh, what did I say? Like George Richmond is right there. It is like yeah. literally three miles away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just big, he he managed to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. Good old George. But anyway, so this is not while George is fighting and retreating back from the Virginian Peninsula by Richmond. Yes, there's another army up in northern Virginia called the Army of Virginia, led by this man named John Pope. And to put it bluntly, in the words of one of his uh, uh, colleagues, well, loosely, uh, Pope was an ass. Yes. <laughs> John Pope, he had a chip on his shoulder. A very large chip on his shoulder. John Pope came from the West, the Western theater of war in the Civil War, where he uh, had a bunch, a couple of uh, minor but significant military victories against uh, the Confederates. 
where in the time of all we're seeing is defeat in the East, anyone who has a victory for the Union... He must be a good general. He must be a good general. So yeah. I think one of the first things he said coming East to take over his army is, oh, well, in the West, we've only seen the backs of our enemies. So that pissed off... That, that angered a lot of... Uh, a lot of guys in the Eastern Campaign like, well, what the hell? So, anyway, Pope is going to take his army and he's going to march down into Virginia and look for trouble. Yeah, basically, he's kind of wretching the countryside, you know, causing trouble. Really uh, ticking off the Confederates. And if he even leaves, like, we got we got rid of this guy. So, he meets part of Robert E. Lee's army in Manassas yes. because of the railroads. Under uh, Thomas Jackson. Against Stonewall Jackson from the first bull run. And uh, we won't go too much into the battle tactics and details. Just know that there was a fight here with Pope and Stonewall Jackson. Now, Pope gets it into his head that, and this is my personal opinion, so take it for what you will. He gets it into his head that because Stonewall Jackson has been such a namesake in the uh, northern news media at the time because of his victories in the Shenandoah Valley in a first bull run. At first bull run, he... Uh, is convinced that if he defeats Stonewall Jackson, then he's gonna be the uh, numero uno in the uh, union in the federal government with the with Washington. Yeah, let's just say Pope got into his head. I must defeat Jackson. Nothing else matters. Even when his subordinates, his fellow generals, his commanders, are telling him, "Hey, we're getting reports. There's rules behind us. We should probably take care of those." And honestly, Pope's like, "No, we must defeat Jackson." And while we're at second, the area for Second Manassas, we visited where the Union and Confederate troops are fighting. Specifically, it's called the uh, Unfinished Railroad Cut. Now, back in eighteen in the eighteen fifties, early eighteen sixties, what was the major railroad in uh, in Manassas? Oh, I forget this. I want to say it was the Baltimore Ohio Railroad. It's one of them. I don't think it's that one. There was this unfinished railroad cut where this rival railroad company was trying to make their own. Uh, Railroad, like, set of, set of tracks for the railroad, but they ran out of money. So it was just this big, deep cut. But it's perfect for, like, natural defense if you're trying to f face an invading army. Yeah, so a big chunk of the second day's at second mass is going to happen around the uh, railroad cut. Not the only part, but it's the one that grabs the public's attention. Yes. Uh, there's, like, this one little... This quick five-minute fight between, like, things to New Yorkers and some uh, South Carolinians? Or Virginians? I believe, I believe it was South Carolinians. Where, um... They throw rocks at each other. Yeah, like, Confederates kind of run out of ammo, so they throw rocks at the, uh, Federals. Mm-hmm. Which is, like, a five... It, 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 I, in the grand scheme of the battle, is like, five minutes, but... It's what the public thinks about when they think about Second Manassas, at least, like, the Civil War nuts. Like, like ourselves. Yeah, which I think the park ranger who we talked to said that's it, been ridiculous because every like major news media or history channel, yeah, it's all XP. about the rock throw. Even though it's like five minutes out of this like two or three day battle, exactly. But so, uh, the long story short, Lee sets a trap for Pope. He has one of his uh, subordinates, uh, Pete Longstreet or James Longstreet. He has his own his his part of the command of the Army of Northern Virginia, and basically. Pope is so fixated on Jackson that he kind of forgets Longstreet right behind him up until Longstreet kind of steamrolls and smashes his arm into pieces. Needless to say, it was a major defeat for the Union forces in 1862. Basically, the Army of Virginia is scattered to the winds. Um, Washington is freaking out because this is like 30 miles away from the capital. Yep. And they just had another army kind of virtually destroyed. And this is August of 1862. This kind of gives this victory gives Lee the um, kind of the initiative motivation. Motivation, yeah. like you know, I've got the balls in my court now. I need to keep going. I don't want to give the Ferrells the unit a chance to um, recover. So let's go into Maryland, and that ties into Antietam. That kind of kicks off the Maryland campaign, Antietam and South Mountain, which again we've worked backwards. So think of the last day of our major trip as, as the first day. Of the, uh, of the Civil War, of the battles that we, that we covered. Yeah. Um, I think that's pretty accurate. So, Austin, you we went to all like four major battlefields in the Civil War. Which one did you appreciate the most and why? I am still drawn to Antietam. Uh, Antietam's pretty popular. And uh, I'll go over that more in one second. Is there anything special that draws you to Antietam? 
Well, I think it started when I was a kid and when the History Channel was making good content. Before Pawn Stars and Aliens and all that. It was all about aliens. Yep. But um, they had a thing called Civil War Combat, and as a kid, I kept watching the episode of The Sunken, the Bloody Lane, The Sunken Road of Antietam. And I guess it kind of got to me because I was young. We've been to The Sunken Road. We every Sunken every road. time we go to Antietam, we always go to The Sunken Road. And we, actually, we did actually did the trail that takes us around The Sunken Road. Yeah, and the, the part where you um, kind of measured like how far the Irish Brigade was from the, the actual line. And it's, like, it's like eyeball to eyeball. Historically, people say 30 to 35 foot paces. So you, you took a photo of me about that, right? On the field? I did. And I can see how they lost half their number. Yeah. Within an hour. And everyone talks loves the Irish Brigade. I love the Irish Brigade. Out of every unit in the Union Army in the, in the Civil War, I'm always drawn to the Irish Brigade. But it's not the only unit in the uh, Northern Army. It's not the only unit that suffered heavily. In fact, uh, when we went down to the southern part of the battlefield, Burnside Bridge, we actually went to see the monument to the 16th Connecticut Regiment. And that kind of holds a little bit of a familiarity with us because a lot of, in 1862, a lot, a bunch of the soldiers in the 16th Connecticut were from the Stafford area. Yeah, so a lot of the guys, our hometown is Stafford Springs in Connecticut, and during the Civil War... Not all, but a, a big chunk of the men who enlisted to fight for the uh, Union cause, they became part of the 16th. And a lot of these guys were in their battle for the first time. They were mustered in in, in August of that year. They had like three weeks of uh, not even training. But... It looked like these guys were holding their rifles for the first time, their muskets, as they marched into the battle. And these guys, God bless them, they are part of the final attack by Burnside. Towards the end of the day, try to like crack Lee's line, and they get blindsided by um, Confederate General A.P. Hill's Light Division coming up from Harper's Ferry, and they get slammed. And it's not this heroic last stand, like rally around the colors, we'll fight, we'll fight to the end, like with the triumphant music in the background. It's uh, it's pure hell. This rookie regiment breaks apart and they run for the rear. A lot of those guys get killed and wounded. There's a guy, uh, James Brooks. I mean, I I read, I read about him. He got shot like seven times. And he lingered for like an agony in a hospital for a month before he finally died. Is he? He's actually buried in Wellington. Oh shit! And there's another guy. Um, I think uh, William Howard. It's in a book by John Banks, and uh, this guy got blessed. He's buried in Stafford. He got shot in the head, or he 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 was found dead in the battlefield, and he he was 31. He had a wife. He had a kid, and uh, yeah. It, uh, a lot of these Stafford boys, they um, saw combat for the first time, and it was a shock. A lot of them, it was it was the last time too. It's um, it's the one thing I gotta complain about the Civil War movies. At least most of them, most of the modern ones, like, at least got at least one by Ron Maxwell. Guys and generals, Gaysburg. I like Gaysburg, honestly, but a lot of it is always like the pros. The uh, smoke and, and like the heroism of the battle, but it doesn't really capture the horror of war. And I think like sometimes when folks um, see this movie, they think, "Oh, let's do the cool thing. Let's join the war. You know, let's, let's fight a war. Let's join the army. It'll do the cool thing because uh, it looks awesome." And um, guys and generals, and it's almost bloodless carnage. Yeah, like that's not how war combat was. And I'm gonna get a little gory right now, but uh, they don't show like the parts where the guy's heads get blown open, or you know, a guy loses his limb, or he gets shot in the groin or the bowels, and he dies an egg in the field, like lying in there for a couple of days because you know, medicine retrieval, like uh, the ambulance corps, like um, first aid as we know it in the, the U.S. Army now. Triage, triage that doesn't exist. Doesn't in exist. Two in sixty-three. You'd be lucky if you got to the field, like a field station or a field hospital within the day. Yeah, because some of these guys, they they got shot. They were out there for like days, and some made it and some didn't. And just you know, when you read about these accounts and you walk these fields and see how horrible it is and horrifying, you uh, seeing like these Hollywood movies that kind of make it triumphant. It's kind of hollow. I don't think they're doing it now. I think they're you know. It's a new um, there, a shift. There hasn't been a rush of Civil War films within the last 20 years. Nah, not with all the um, 
been a lot, like, you know, with anything going on. Rightfully so. I mean, Not really. Maybe that's something we can talk about in a, in a different time. Where we're, uh... no, Nobody wants to make a remake of Gone with the Wind right now. And got, you know what? I don't blame them. <laughs> Christ, Gone with the Wind. Four hours of nothing. Scott O'Hara. Scott O'Hara, Red Butler. Red, yeah, Red Butler. <laughs> Confederate Raider. <laughs> oh, yeah. I could I could go on a tangent about the... Uh... We had to watch some of that for our history class in high school to kind of get a feel for it. And uh... Gary, I love, I love you, man, but oh, my God. <laughs> Gone with the wind. I get it. It was like the first major motion picture in color in the United States, but oh, my God. If that didn't scream <laughs> of Confederate propaganda, I don't know what did. The famed lost cause of the Confederacy. Right, don't get me started. We're trying to keep this PG today. <laughs> Maybe PG-13 tomorrow. But, um, yeah, Antietam is kind of the sight for me. The walking that final attack and, you know, thinking, huh, if I was born back then, I would probably be marching here and getting shot at and probably well, Both of killed. us would. Oh, yes. We joined the same regiment, same same group of, same group of uh, townspeople, same group of friends? Yeah, so this is before like, the Southern Brothers of World War II, so it would be very common to have family serving together. It would be very common to have family dying together in the field, yeah. in the same unit, so... I always wonder if Mrs. Bixby from uh, Saving Prophet Ryan was real, that letter from uh, Massachusetts. I don't know, what's Wikipedia say? I don't trust Wikipedia. As well as you shouldn't. Uh, that's a good answer. I mean, I like Antietam too. I like the fact that it's the least built up out of all the uh, battlefields we've been to. Manassas is actually pretty pretty tame. They've actually developed a, they've restored a lot of the land. They've bought a lot of, a lot of it. Yeah, that's like that's part National Park Service. That's part American Battlefield Trust. Two two, two different organizations. Done a great job preserving, interpreting the uh, stories because. These sites are still important. They're still a big draw. People still come in droves to these sites. I gotta be honest. I, I do appreciate the uh, Gettysburg and team a lot more than I do of uh, Bunker Hill. Just because when I go to when I go to Charlestown, I go to the Battle of Bunker Hill Monument. It's it is hard for me to kind of picture in my head what it must have been like when. 20 yards away, all you see is development and urban housing, which was not there back in uh, 1775. That is the downside of history preservation. You, you, you can't save everything. No, you I can't. Unless in grad school, you cannot save everything. No, you can't. Stuff has to develop, and I get that. Yeah, you go to Fort William Henry in New York, and I heard a big tourist trap. Yeah, I, I kind of want to go just for the experience, because I was big into the last of the Mohegans. Uh, big into the movie, big into the French-Indian War, so I just want to go for the experience. I You want to go to find that tavern again we we had lunch at by Fort Ticonderoga. That was a good tavern. It was like the Lake Ta- Tavern, right? It blew like 80, 800 bucks worth of food and booze. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, that, well, that's another trip for another day. But uh, no, I think Antium's a good choice. I would say it too, but I don't want to do the whole twin thing and pick the same thing. I don't know. Like, I appreciate Gettysburg a little bit. I mean, even though, even, I got, it's got its problems with development, and, it, I mean, when I say development, I mean, like, you know, you, you're in, like, little little round top, and then, like, four miles away, there's, like, the Walmart Supercenter, there's a strip mall there, and I, I, I kind of get that at the same time, but it's, I don't know, just, I like, they, they did keep, like, the core area the same, as it was back in 1863. Uh, walking the Cemetery Ridge, where we would have had the Confederate artillery lobbing shell after shell into the Union Center on July 3rd, visualizing Pickett's Charge, 15,000 screaming Confederates coming down the uh, open field off the Emmitsburg Road. I walked that with my buddies uh, Jordan, Jordan C., years ago. We walked the uh, Pickett's Charge, and yeah, it's a pain in the butt to get across one mile open ground, and you try to imagine... Being a southerner, walking across there, going directly towards the Union, with all those artillery pieces firing at you, and then as soon as you go with a rifle range, all the thousands muskets just blaze thousands away. Of balls. Yeah. Yeah, the Pickett's Church of Gettysburg movie doesn't really do it justice, I believe, personally. Yeah, we'll go back to Ron Maxwell, but, um, yeah, there's that, there's that going on with the, uh, so the, the reason for this podcast was we want to tie it in with Memorial Day. Uh, Memorial Day had its origins after the Civil War, which yeah. was the Decoration Day. Yeah, it was originally known as Decoration Day. 
So, now, I'm going back from grad school, so I'm a little rusty, but with Decoration Day, it was the family come out, they go like the brothers or the fathers or the husband's gravesite. They make it nice, they may have a picnic, but they spend time with their loved ones because that's all they have left of them besides their memory. See. You gotta understand, folks, the American Civil War is kind of a big slap in the face for the Victorian era's way of how to deal with death. Before the Civil War... A good Victorian death for in America is the family member who's dying. He's in the parlor room. The family comes together. He has the final word. He spends time with the family. When he passes, you know, the family's there for him. That sounds like an Irish wig. And, uh, you know, when he passes on, the family's there for them, and they can, uh, you know, make their arrangements and have the good Victorian death. He has that final last words with his loved ones. In the Civil War, they don't have that. Because now you've got these... Sons, brothers, husbands, they're marching down south or up north. Um, family may not hear word for months or years. Maybe they're missing in action or they find out that, you know, I'm sorry, your father was killed at um, Antietam or your son was killed at Gettysburg. And so, you might not be able to get the buyback for a while, if not ever. So it was, it was not that they tracked, but it was interesting. We ran to a... Uh, uh, I think a tourist with his, with his uh, wife, their old, old, older gentleman, nice yeah, guy. Yeah, and we we got to talk about the whole like concept of death in the Civil War, and uh, yeah, so like yeah, yeah, I recommend reading this book called um, "This Republic of Suffering" by Jewel Kilburn Faust. It goes into a lot more detail than I can about what death in the Civil War is like, how the public came to terms with it, because you know they had to. And, like, I've heard stories of fathers or mothers going down south to find their son's remains. And it might be their remains, but since, like, usually whoever controls the battlefield kind of can, can, takes care of the dead. Um, if the Federals held the field, they tried to, like, identify, like, this, this is, he was with this regiment, he died here. When, and with, versus when they're burying Confederate like, dead, they put them in a mass grave. And, like, they don't bother to identify. And, and, and like, the reverse is true when the Confederates have the field. So, like, they'll try to identify. The, they're dead. The Southern dead. But, like, the Union, like, they usually stri- usually they strip the bodies because they need the clothing. Yep. So, there's really, like, not much to identify. And, uh, yeah. And I think there's still some bodies buried around old sites to this day. Although, I think by this point, a lot of people, a lot of the... Um, the Grism haven't been reinterred. That's good. Brought up, uh, you know, to the prior burial sites. I mean, I'm just walking over Miller's cornfield and knowing the carnage that happened on that September day. I can't imagine, like, there's got to be, there's probably someone still out here that hasn't been, it's just, it's just not possible that you found every single, like, body that was discovered that died on the battlefield that day and were, in, were interned properly. That may be so, but I think at this point it's probably best to let sleeping dogs lie. I mean, do you really want to disturb the dead now? That's not, not a cool thing. And that that's the thing we, we kind of harped about in the beginning of this podcast. Like, if you go to these sites... Just, just be respectful. Yeah, don't leave trash. Don't do not do these damn selfies that I, I, see, I see on Instagram or Facebook every day. The and TikTok. Tech, don't do TikTok. Yeah, the TikTok cringe. I swear to God, if I, see, if I ever see a TikTok of somebody square dancing on a... Like some guy's gravesite in Gaysburg. Yeah, I'm gonna lose my shit. <laughs> yeah, it's the the whole con. We talk about this whole concept of Memorial Day because it did does have ties to the Civil War, and it's brought forward now with you know from Decoration Day to Memorial Day, and as we celebrate Memorial Day, you know, it's a hey, three day weekend. We spend time with our families. We get time off work. That's all fine and dandy, and I'm not gonna tell anybody how, how to celebrate their days. We're not going to do the, you need to be sullen and sulky the entire three days to reflect on the sacrifices of, of, of Americans in the past. Because, honestly, I think I think the guys, if, um, like, all these, the American servicemen who have lost their lives, I don't think they want it to be like that. No. I mean, remember them. Remember their sacrifice. And you'll Honor them. Honor them in a good way. But, you know, live your life and um, have a good time. Yeah. Which... You know, this is what we try to do. We just try to educate people. Because we're both history majors. We're both into the into this era of history. And it's still with us. The Civil War, I think, is still with us in America. It's never going to go away. 
And I think that's why it draws a lot of people every, even from outside the United States. I, I see a lot of people from, from like Europe, Asia, who come to the U.S. and look at the battle, look at like these American landmarks. They want to. Yeah, I remember this um, Japanese tourist when I was working at this um, little house near Fort Griswold. In Connecticut. And she was really interested in the American Revolution and she was all the way from Japan. And I've always wondered, like, what, how, what was the connection? Like, what, what makes you so interested in the, in the revolution? I think it's the stories. It's the stories? It, it's the stories of, like, these people doing these things. The, the special interest yeah. stories. And, uh, again, like, you know, this is 180 years after the fact now, but you, you got to remember, too, like, th- these were people like you and me. They had their own lives. They had their own, uh, you know, dreams and fulfillments and desires and you and know, fears and fears they're human same as us yep um it, it's like when people like love the people who are interested in the titanic like i've always been interested in the titanic since i was a kid but i think sometimes uh mostly titanic fans they forget about the people who actually were on board the ship oh you mean that cruise where everyone dressed up like 1912 and that was a big party and it was kind of really disgusting Yes, the anniversary of the Titanic sinking. Now, now, guys, have fun, but just remember, it's kind of like it's kind of, it's kind of civil reenactors. Like I love civil civil reenactors, and a lot of these guys they they spend a lot of time getting the stuff right, getting the history right, and they have respect. Yeah, so do it. Just be respectful. That's all I say. Be respectful in the in the end. Like don't don't think that you know. Don't be a stick in the mud. Yeah. As you go through this Memorial Day weekend, don't be sticking by saying you cannot enjoy your time off because you must remember all these sacrifices. Because honestly, I highly doubt the, um, you know, if like, she was in another foot, I, I, I highly doubt like the, the, the service members, like, you know, they have their own, li- they have their own lives and they have their own likes. Yeah, but they they, were... pro- they probably would have, you know, done the same thing. Just, you know, have a good time. Just, just be respectful. Just be respectful. So That's all we're asking. I mean, it's not so much, is it? No, just, you know, a- a- as you go through the Memorial Day weekend, if you visit a national park or you go to a battlefield, you know, have a good time. Because when we walked to Gaysburg, we're kind of joking. Um, I kind of, like, spliced um, Tom Berenger's lines from Platoon into Longstreet's... Uh, mm-hmm. We got Buku movement. Into Gaysburg. And we laugh, but we also pay our respects, you know. I mean, you mean me looking at when we were at Antietam, and I'm just trying to amaze, like, I was trying to picture, like, a member of either uh, the Irish Brigade or one of the Union soldiers marching up over the hill to the sunken road, not knowing what's over on the other side of the hill. Yeah. Yeah, it's stuff like that, and you just, you kind of got to take it in the back of your head, like, huh, people actually fought here, people actually died here, this is actually a... This is a graveyard. Yeah. This is not a place to do t- TikTok videos. This is a graveyard. Yeah. You know, there's some etiquette, but, you know, still enjoy yourselves for the uh, three-day weekend, for yeah. your Memorial Day weekend. Uh, I think that's a pretty good tie-in there with Memorial Day. I believe so. Was there anything you wanted to cover? I think we got why I think we got the, the major stuff. So, uh, yeah, this is kind of a special thing for us, and this is more from the heart. There's no, like, real planning or preparation. We just kind of shot from the hip so hopefully everybody enjoyed it it's one of our shorter podcasts which is probably a good thing because um i, I think i noticed if it gets like a two and a half three hour podcast we could talk for hours about any historical event that 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 uh interests us yeah i i i don't know many folks who would care to hear about our three hour like this dissection of Battle of midway like who did what that probably drives somebody nuts probably uh actually <laughs> i got a couple of buddies eric I know you're gonna listen to this. I know you're probably gonna tell me that uh, Ian, you read twenty like you've read two hundred books on the same event. Most people call that a mental <laughs> mental issue. <laughs> Most likely, but uh, I think it's probably a good place to pop off. Was there like any other topics you wanted to cover, or any other future podcast? Uh, do you want to talk about future podcasts? Like, do you want to do another big one of the Civil War, either one of the battles, or something about the monuments, or something about why people still. Why are there so many, so much stuff on the Civil War? Why people still remember it, or well, how how it's been remembered? If we do that, we're gonna have to tackle the issues that we have today, specifically the Confederate monuments and public spaces, the issue of the Confederate flag, the and the issue like, of the causes of the Civil War and the reason for the Civil War. A that, lot of stuff that unfortunately wasn't solved with the war ending, 
And it's kind of uh, still on the forefront today. Do you think if Abe Lincoln was still alive, if Abe Lincoln was alive today, what would he say? Oh, I have no idea. Abe Lincoln was 150 years ago. His big thing was preserve the Union at all costs. Well, I think he did come around towards the end. But, uh, you know, ending slavery and, and you know, putting um, African Americans and the freedmen and the freed slaves on kind of equal footing. And unfortunately, that kind of got him killed. Yeah, yeah, it did. Ford's Theater, we've been there. Yeah. Now, let's just say Lincoln was a man of his time. He was kind of complicated, honestly, if you think about it. Most humans are complicated. This is the way of thinking. Let, I, let us. I, let... I think Lincoln was a bit progressive. Like, as the war progressed, and by the end, he kind of, like, changed his tune on a lot of things. Just unfortunately got shot, and, you know, well... Without with the risk of uh, inciting um, internet flame, do you think Lincoln was a better Republican president versus the last Republican, Republican president that we had? He must not be named. <laughs> he must. Was it Voldemort? Lincoln. He had the ability to work with egos. The last gentleman. He was the ego. Yeah, I'll say that. Oh god, I could go into an entire tirade about that whole thing, but I digress, and I don't want to bore the uh, the viewers with that. With that, if you guys you want like us, our, our five viewers, our, hey, we appreciate your love and support. That's still we're still listening. Thank you very much. Sorry, it's been like a year since we've done podcasts like these, but it's been kind of kind of turbulent. Uh, you know, new jobs and. Finding time to do things you like and uh, new jobs, balancing the pandemic and you know life, life work balance, which sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, and most times we lose. Most times you lose, yeah. But uh, guys, if you really want to do another podcast on this stuff, or let us know, we'll we'll do one. Like that's probably the our favorite area of American history, honestly. That those four. It's four years. It's four years out of over 250 years of American history. Yeah, come on, 250. With the Rev War coming up. Rev War 250. No, we could have signed the Revolutionary War. We haven't done one yet. Hmm. If I could, I'd love to talk about how the militia wasn't all that cracked up to be. At Camden, where the half the militia dropped their weapons and ran, and kind of uh, destroyed Horatio Gates' uh, career. You mean the Patriot lied to us with Mel Gibson? Say it ain't so. <laughs> I don't want to go. <laughs> But, uh, guys, again, we appreciate you listening to us and uh, kind of our, our ranting and raving, and we appreciate that anyone who's interested in stuff we talk about, World War Two, the Civil War, the uh, pressing issues of today, we appreciate that. So, again, if there's anything you want us to kind of talk about, just reach out to us and we'll uh, do our best on that. Best of our abilities. Best, well, best of our half abilities, yeah. Not the... I'll give the old college try. Because well, I still got student loans to pay off. Yeah, I, still got student, I still got student loans to pay off, too. No, you got the big boy job now. <laughs> All right, well, before I get into another tirade, um, everybody, we appreciate you Thank listening to us. Uh, again, we want you all to have a, a very happy Memorial Day weekend, um, you know, and spend time with your family and friends, do things that you like. And, uh, yeah, but just, yeah, just go from there. I mean, it's I think it's what the people who fought and died for would want you guys to have a you know happy lives happy lives yeah happy lives that's the good thing to end off yeah all right guys thanks for listening bye for now bye for now